Welcome to episode 123 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam Brennan and I am joined through all the wires across this vast land of ours by the uh, goateed David J. Hogue. <laughs> yes. It's been a few days. Why do you have a goatee, Dave? Because I've been off for a few days. Ah. Yeah. I injured my foot running and... I decided the, to grow out a serious <laughs> dad goatee. I decided to take the opportunity to take some days off to let my foot recover. And then, yeah, I like, I didn't want to shave, but it gets, you know, itchy around the neck. And so I went with my uh, 1990s goatee. Toby Mac would be proud. <laughs> so anyways, how are you, man? I'm well. How are you? I am, you know, I'm doing good. We are, we're getting settled here in Illinois. Um, we've, we've already traveled a bit, uh, to go to Detroit to see my family. I got to go to the Michigan Nebraska game this past weekend with my buddy. Who's a diehard corn husker. <laughs> um, must've been and, rough. And yeah, Michigan won 56 to 10 and yeah. Nebraska didn't score their touchdown until the fourth quarter when literally the fourth stringers were in. <laughs> um, it was rough. Uh, I had a great time though. I hadn't been to a game at the big house since I was in high school and I graduated in 04. So it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, me and 111,000 of my closest friends yeah. got to watch a total beat down, which is always fun. Yes, absolutely. And I went to, uh, Singerman's Deli, which is like the famous deli, whenever game day or ESPN is in town, they always do a special in Singerman's is the place they go. I had a breakfast BLT, mm. bacon, lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise, a thick hunk of melted Vermont cheddar, and two sunny side up eggs oh. on some thick white bread. It was amazing. Very nice. But anyways, this is not food TV. <laughs> nor nor is this uh Todd Blackledge's, you know, eating special during a football game. This is the master class and we talk about the Bible and Jesus. So maybe we should get to that. Yeah, I've talked about Jesus with Todd Blackledge. What? Yeah. Okay, back up. That is way more important than anything I just said. <laughs> this is a story I must hear. So he actually played for the Kansas City Chiefs back in the day. Okay. I didn't know that. I forgot. Oh, I shouldn't say forgot. I just straight up didn't know that he did. And, uh, he, my youth pastor was the chaplain for the Kansas city chiefs. Actually my boss, eventual boss. I don't think he was the boss at the time I met Todd Blackledge. Um, but yeah, um, he came to our church. I got to do a few things with them kind of behind the scenes with Bob, the chaplain and, uh, even went and got soul food with the team one time in downtown Kansas city. And on a couple occasions, I got to have a discussion about Jesus with Todd Blackledge. So he's a Christian. Yeah. Well, he, he was certainly willing to talk about Jesus and came to our church. And, <laughs> uh, that was truly like what, 30 years ago. So, wow. Yeah. I, w I don't even know if I, well, I hope I was talking 30 years ago. <laughs> I've been two. Huh. Who knew? Yeah. Small I, world. I had no idea. I'm, I'm podcasting with someone famous. <laughs> yeah. I'm not so sure about that. 
<laughs> Anyways. Uh. Well, see, now I'm glad I brought up Zingerman's because I just, you know, I learned a story that I had never known before, Dave. Yeah. What other, what other former athletes have you talked to Jesus about? Um, talked with, talked, I can't even, never mind. I can't. <laughs> You know, what's really funny is I can't even remember his name. <laughs> I've actually had conversations with a couple of different athletes. One was a, a Royals player that I'm truly embarrassed that I can't remember his name uh, right now. But uh, was his last name Brett? First no. Name George? No. I, and actually, I've talked to George Brett on the phone, too. But that's Jeez. that had nothing to do with Jesus. And there were a lot Why aren't of- we doing a sports <laughs> show, Dave? Come on. We could get some we could get some heavy hitters on here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. What are we uh what are we talking about today? So we're in Romans five tonight. And well, uh Paul's gonna drop some wisdom for us here. So is he going to drop it like it's hot, Dave? <laughs> I've heard, I've heard that's, that's what the kids say nowadays. The kids say, Hmm. Yeah. I'm so out of the loop anymore. I don't know. Yeah, me too. I could be totally wrong. I wouldn't even know. That's how, that's how hip to it. I am. <laughs> Gosh, that was awful. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, shall we, shall we hear the word of the Lord? Sure. All right. So we're going to read Romans five verses six through 11. And I'm going to first read the ESV, which is what the version that we normally read from. And then uh, Cam's given me permission to also read from the NIV, which in my, yes, I am such a control freak that you, <laughs> I had to give you permission to read a different translation. Yeah. Uh, which for me, when I read the ESV version, it like almost didn't like, I, I kind of didn't recognize the verse. And then it, it, it kind of dawned on me that I was like, Oh, I I'm used to this in the NIV and, and there is a little bit different. So, um, I'll read and then we'll discuss. So here we go. Romans five, verse six through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to eat, even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son... Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. All right, so that was ESV, and the NIV reads, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were still, we were, and 
for if while we were God's enemies, we reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Thank you, sir. Yes. Where would you like to begin? So one of the things that kind of stood out to me is the very beginning there where it talks about, um, well, it starts off for in the ESB for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And to me, weak is kind of weak. It, I don't think it really, the, the, the verbiage, the phrase there is to me stronger in, in NIV where it says uh, we were powerless. And there's just kind of this idea of, you know, it's one thing to be weak, you know, I can be weak, but to me, it takes it a whole, to a whole nother level to say that I am powerless. Yeah. It paints a, uh, cause that to me a means more, I a can more do vivid nothing. picture, you know? Yeah. It's like, it almost to me, like when you're powerless, it, it doesn't have anything to do with like your physical strength or your, like your strength of character. It means that it's completely out of your hands. Right. I, your yes. ability to do something about your situation has been removed. Yep. Yeah. And and there's even like an element of, and this may be reading too much into it, but I feel like, okay, I'm weak. Well, you know, if I work out, if I get some help, if I, you know, if, if I hire a bodyguard, if I, you know, <laughs> whatever I got to do, I can overcome being weak. Where was like you said, with powerless, it just is sort of like, I, there's nothing I can do. Uh, it's not just about a physical strength or an ability. It's I am powerless. So, well, and that totally jives with the gospel, right? Amen. Yes. I would so, agree with that. All right. Touche NIV. <laughs> Touche. So, and there's been very few times where I find myself kind of going, uh, I like the NIV better, but this, this Romans five, was one of those. So ultimately we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So basis of the gospel there that, you know, for us to be in relationship, to be justified, which we've talked about a lot here, um, with God, it's through Jesus Christ. So for verse one, I, I I don't know that there was a whole lot more there for me, um, other than that, the powerless versus weak. Um, Paul's really kind of giving us the very foundation of the gospel that it's through him, uh, that we come to know, uh, or that we have the ability to know and be in relationship with God. One thing that, um, that I do find interesting is that it says at the right time. I, yes. Like what about that specific time made it the right time? You know, it kind of reminds me of the line Gandalf says to Frodo in Lord of the Rings when Frodo says you're late. And he says, wizards are never late. They always arrive precisely when they mean to. <laughs> and I, you're like, okay, for a while we were powerless at the right time. Christ died for the Like, wh- what about 2,000-ish years ago was the right time? Was it the right time because that's just when God did it? 
and we just trust that God does things at the right time because he's God? Or was there a significance to that period in time, politically, culturally, you know? Like, I don't think I have an answer for this question. I'm not trying to lead the conversation in a specific direction, but it just it's an interesting little, like, interstitial, like, phrase that he doesn't have to put there. Like, the verse, for while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. Like, that still flies. That still works. That still communicates you know, the intent of what Jesus did and, you know, why he did it even, but at the right time seems like an interesting addition to me. Yeah. uh, And I'm not going to say that this is totally the right answer or any, it's just something that has occurred to me lately uh, as I've been reading the Bible. And that's uh, specifically as as you read the gospels and, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're recording what Jesus did. There is certainly an element of that culture in that time that recording what somebody said and what they did and it being recorded correctly was of the utmost importance. And I think even a way that supersedes us having video and cameras everywhere. And again, I just, I, I don't think our 20th, 21st century minds can completely comprehend just how much effort really goes into, um, what was written about Jesus and that it wasn't just sort of a, you know, these weren't just flippant things that they reached out and decided to document. There was, there's importance to what was said and why it was recorded and how it was recorded. And um, again, I don't think this is the end all be all for the quote unquote at the right time, but it has occurred to me as I've been reading in the gospels that it is certainly a, a good time in terms of how history was recorded and the importance with which it was recorded. Yeah. I wish, I wish we had the answer for that, but it's, like to your point, you know, it, it is, it is good that he arrived when things were being recorded in languages that are knowable and, you know, translatable. Um, it would have been different if he showed up, I don't know, 2000 years before he did, you know, and it'd be different now. Like, would Jesus be on Snapchat? Hmm. <laughs> Send in your answers via email folks. Yeah. Can email Dave about that one. All right. Uh, <laughs> it says, well, it's the same email, so I guess it's fine. Um, okay, so this next part is, this next verse has always been interesting to me because I don't think I understand it. Uh, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. I don't get it. Why would someone die for a good person, but not for a righteous person? And what's the difference there? (laughs) That is a good, very good question. Yes. And I even, I, it's one of those verses that like, I always feel like I read it wrong. Uh, Yeah. Cause it's in English, it's kind of a tricky sentence. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm asking questions I don't have the answer to. 
um, which I think is how questions are supposed to be asked. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, so it goes on to say, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, I mean, perhaps he's just setting up the fact that like, you're not a good person. You're not a righteous person and no one will die for them, but Jesus died for you anyways. Mm-hmm. But just the setup to that punchline is weird to me. Absolutely. Yeah. So for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly and God showing his love for us. And that while we were still like that flows, that idea works. So this, again, this interjection of Paul trying to clarify or show the depths that God is willing to go to save his people is it's, it's interesting to, interesting to me. And I don't, I don't know. I think I've made my point. It's just weird. It's a weird way to say it. And like, I get that he's trying to set up, you know, you wouldn't do this. You wouldn't do that. You're not this person. You're not that person, but God did it for you anyways. I just think it's a weird way to say it. And I'm not trying to tell Paul how to write the Bible. I'm just saying my personal issue is understanding is understanding that I think. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. And you know, there's, I guess when I read it, um, you know, one of the ideas that, that kind of comes to my mind is, is being like in combat with somebody and, you know, when I think of a, a, a righteous person, I think of somebody, you know, like the Pharisees, somebody that follows all the rules, does all the right things. Um, but yet when it comes to uh, the Good Samaritan and, you know, dealing with somebody that's lying hurt on the side of the road, they are so consumed by um, doing the right thing that they won't help that person. Uh, whereas a good person, um, you know, maybe his righteousness and his holiness isn't so <laughs> up there. Uh, but yet when it comes to actually helping another human being, uh, they're the person that, you know, you want to go into combat with. They're the type of person that, you know, when it really matters, they are going to do what needs to be done versus being consumed with righteousness and uh, the law and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, but, but to me, there's certainly, there's, uh, there certainly can kind of be this mental picture when I'm reading the verse of righteousness being somebody on their high horse, high and mighty versus the, the person that doesn't always do the quote unquote right thing. But yet when it comes down to it, they do what's good, i.e. help, help, helping, well, helping the person they don't know who's injured on the side of the road in the Good Samaritan. So. No, that's, that's helpful, I think, for sure. To help me kind of wrap my head around what he means by righteous and good. I hadn't really considered that. Food for thought, David, food for thought. Yeah, but, but I guess even in that, it, it, it's still, there's an element of comparing those two when it comes to dying for somebody. I still think it's just an interesting comparison. So. Yeah. Dying for people, man. 
<laughs> it's for the birds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and on that note, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yep. So it's like he's, it's like he's repeating verse six. Like he bit, sets yeah. it up, describes why it's such a big deal, and then repeats it again mm-hmm. in like summary. And it's just like one of those things that's like, no matter how many times it gets repeated or how many different ways it gets explained, it just comes down to while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like that is like the most succinct way I think you can explain who Jesus was, why he came here and what he came to do. Like you may not get a lot of the, the nuances or extra stuff of like the gospel, but that's the core of it. Right. Mm -hmm. We were sinners. Christ died for us. You know, then we need to get into the explanation of, of, of why and to what end, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners. So while we were still apart from him, while we were still his enemy, while we were still, you know, spiritually dead, Christ died for us. It's just, it's really powerful, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, to, to, to get into the semantics of right, righteous versus good. Um, to die for us because we are, I mean, completely undeserving. And even in that, you're not even talking about just a human being. I mean, you're talking about God, the creator of the universe, which in that is just absurd. Yeah. Slight distinction there between the two. Yeah. You know, and I, Philippians two is still one of those verses for me that, um, I, I just, I still cannot absolutely, um, wrap my head around, um, basically it's, it's talks about, an uh, imitating Christ, um, humility, um, you know, verse flip Philippians two, six says who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And those verses just always very much put it into perspective what Jesus did for us. Um, and boy, are we lucky that that wasn't my job because I probably would have failed. Well, luckily God always knows the right person for the job, Dave. (laughs) Yes. He's like the ultimate (laughs) headhunter. Always finding the right person for the right job. Yes. Yeah. That Philippians two passage, man. It is, it is so well written. It is so strong. It is so communicative and clear and, um, just really, really, really good. 
uh, I would suggest that people, if they are not familiar with that passage, read it like every day this week and just ponder and just think about what, what Paul is saying and what that means about God and about Jesus and about you and just kind of let your, you know, just respond to it, whether that's through prayer or through song or through, you know, writing your thoughts out or having a conversation with your a friend or a significant other. Um, like it's a really powerful passage in it. Uh, I mean, I know for me, that's been one that I, I go back to a lot. That Psalm one has been a big one. Um, the, the Beatitudes in Matthew five, um, there's just sort of like these tentpole pieces of scripture that throughout the course of my life, I have come back to over and over and over again. And that's one of them. It's mm-hmm. just, it really, it really um, speaks to me. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. And, you know, I think too inherent in this is that, you know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, you know, there's the, whole time and space that we can't um, completely understand is that, you know, we weren't even born when Christ did this and we were still sinners. And honestly, I think this is one of the bigger hangups of, of some of the conversations that I've had with non-Christians is this idea of having to get your act together first and then become a Christian. And it's, you know, that's so not not the point. No, nor do you ever get your act together, but yeah, it's just, it it truly is all about, we are sinners and we have to own that. And we receive a grace that we don't deserve. And, um, even in that, I will say that my, the Christians that I have conversations with, there's certainly this idea of having to be good, do good, uh, in order for us to accept Jesus. And time and time again, as we've mentioned many times on here, it's just, that's not what it's about. That while we were still sinners, he died for us, which is such an incredibly awesome, awesome thing. Agreed. So verse nine, since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Okay. So the age old Bible study tip, what's the therefore, therefore. <laughs> so anytime you see therefore, it's obviously not, I shouldn't say obviously. When you see the word therefore, in the Bible, it means that he is taking the summary from the previous argument and then taking that and moving forward to a new idea. So he's connecting this previous idea, right? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, because of what he has done, because Christ took that action, we now have been justified by his blood. And because of that, we shall be saved from the wrath of God, which like, holy crow, right? This is (laughs) like, we're getting into deep water here, right? 
if we're talking about like, this isn't just, you know, I don't know what I want to say here. Like we're getting into the thick of what it actually means for God to have done what he did in the, in the actual results and being justified by the blood of Christ, which we need to dissect uh, and then being saved from the wrath of God. Like these are, these are huge biblical concepts that span both testaments. Um, even, you know, uh, being justified by the blood that leans towards the sacrificial system of the old Testament and the need for blood sacrifice, um, the wrath of God, uh, being justified. We, we, we've talked about that before, but like, there's just a lot to unpack here in, in these two verses. So I don't know. Do you want, do you have any thoughts or do you want me to keep spitting on my microphone? <laughs> I'm I'm good with you continuing to go. Okay. Um, so we, we've spoken about justification. It's impossible not to talk about it when you're reading the book of Romans. Um, we, we've spoken about it in depth for a few episodes in the, in the past. Um, but the concept is again, being justified means being made right. That justice has been served in your favor that we now stand in the presence of God, which is where we were intended to be from creation. Right. But again, it's not because of, what we've done, right? It says here, we've been justified by his blood, meaning the, the death of Christ. And so that concept, as I mentioned earlier, being the blood sacrifice brings back all of the sacrificial system that was set up for Israel in the old Testament and, and, you know, the calves and the birds and the goats and the, the first fruits and all of, all of the things that God required of the Israelites to sacrifice and that whole system that was set up to show them kind of like their own depravity. Right. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I feel like it would take Mm -hmm. me like killing two cows to go. Yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. Like this is gross and disgusting and it smells and there's blood. It's just, but Alas, there was, you know, generations of this. And then finally, the ultimate sacrifice, you know, we see this like with Abraham, God wanting him to sacrifice his son. And then at the last second, calling it good. Um, But yeah, Jesus's death and sacrifice on the cross is finally the thing that satisfies the wrath of God, that satisfies uh, the payment needed for us to be in good standing with God once again. I just like, I don't know, man. It, on on the one hand, it's crazy to think about someone doing that for you. Hi, Kennedy. That was my daughter laughing. <laughs> She's not used to me podcasting where she can hear me. I don't know if she laughed at me because what I just said was stupid and terrible. And she's like, yeah, you moron. Or she's just laughing because I'm talking into a microphone with a yellow foam hat on it. (laughs) Anyways. um, Sorry about that. So, yeah. So I don't, it's crazy to think that God would do that for his creation. 
and and the sacrifice that it took for him to do it, the sacrifice that it took for for Jesus, and but then at the same time, it's like the human side of me is like, what were you so angry about? Yeah, you know why you why are you all wrathful, God? I ain't a bad person, <laughs> you know, and that's just nonsense and silliness. But you know, it's you can see why people would read the Bible and they see God as an angry person and they see him as someone who likes death and who, you know, sets ridiculous standards that are impossible to keep. So the the only way is to, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, have a ritual blood sacrifice, which is pagan. And, you know, like I, I saw something, it was a comment on the internet. So it was, you know, sure to be, true and accurate and well thought out but it was essentially like the bible is bs because the entire salvation story is based on ancient pagan uh blood sacrifice and that just means it's dumb and not true because as we all know blood sacrifices and it's just like you're missing the entire point yeah but you know, someone who's going to say that in an uh, online comment probably isn't up for a civil discussion in person. Just a guess. So I have rambled far too <laughs> I don't, much. No, I don't think you've rambled. I just, I don't know. This whole, this whole stuff just gets my brain just like, there's just a lot to think about here and there's a lot of ramifications and there's a lot of, like thoughts of like, I don't deserve it, but yes, I do, which is not correct. I don't deserve it. And that's like, it's like, just like the inner struggle, right. Of, of knowing that I'm a sinner of knowing that I have sinful desires and wrestling with that along with the concept of the God of the universe who created me going, yes, I know that, but anyways, I'm going to do this. Like there's just, there's a lot of inner struggle in me, you know, about salvation and about accepting it and about, you know, uh, feeling shame for my sin and just that whole inner, like it's messy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, I don't know, these sorts of passages in, in the Bible always kind of just, I don't want to say they mess with me, but they just, they remind me that this is life is not simple. You know, forgiveness is not simple. God is not simple. Like all of this stuff, there is, there is plenty about it that I don't understand. And it's okay for me to not understand why God would look at me in my sin and go, you know what? I still love you anyways. Mm-hmm. And I just need to be good with that. So a little bit of a tangent here, but not completely. I don't think my 17 year old daughter and I are driving in the car the other day and she was basically making a comment about, um, a prominent church's theology and that she said they had bad theology and I said, well, enlighten me. What is it that you have such a hard time with and that you don't agree with? And her statement was, is 
the, the, the pastor said that we can love God as much as he loves us. And she like basically looked at me and said, isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> and, and I said, well, explain to me what you mean. And she, she basically said, well, if we loved God as much as he loved us, we wouldn't sin. And clearly we can't like, that's not possible. We're sinners. And I don't know if I'm completely doing justice here of, but it just, it, it was refreshingly simple and how she was explaining this of there's absurdity to think that we could possibly love God as much as he loves us. Because if that was true, we wouldn't sin. And it's obvious that we all sin. And I, I just was like, I, it was kind of one of those, like I, I was blown away by the conversation. I was, I was incredibly and I know I shouldn't be, but I was just proud of my daughter and her ability to not just regurgitate, oh, they've got bad theology, but then to kind of go, you know, well, he said this, and can you believe that? And of course, I jumped on it and played devil's advocate for a little while and, you know, asked if Adam and Eve were, were created with the capacity to love God as much as he loved them. And did sin enter in and take that away from us? And when we get to heaven, will we be able to love God as much as he loves us? And, um, you know, it, 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 I was just trying to, not not completely trying to be, (laughs) um, a jerk about it, but really kind of pushing her a little bit on, um, what she said. and she did a very good job of kind of defending what she said and what she believed. And um, I think to kind of tie it back in, it's what we're talking about here is this idea of while we were still sinners, God died for us. And I just don't think we have the capacity to, 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 to do anything of that equivalent. So, yeah, that's, you raised a good question though. Did Adam and Eve have the capacity before they sinned to love God that way? And I, the interesting word there to me is capacity. Mm-hmm. Cause it doesn't mean that you do it right. You know, but it means that it's possible. And so in that sense, I would say, yes, they had the capacity to do so, but they chose not to. Mm-hmm. Um, Hmm. But yeah, I mean, I can't argue with her point. That's some pretty sound logic in my book. <laughs> well, and, and it was, I think that was just even it was, I just was like, it, it truly was just this refreshing, just why do we make it so complicated, you know? And, um, well, and then, and then again, she kind of even asked me, do you agree with that? And, uh, you know, um, I, I, when it was all said and done, I, I think I had to agree with her stance, but like I said, I still, uh, kind of, um, took the opportunity to, to push her a little on her thoughts. So, oh, I mean, not every moment's a teaching moment, but 
Man, the more of them there are, the better, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when I'm the person that's being taught. Oh, yeah. I need that still. All right. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Dude, it just, it just keeps coming. <laughs> yes. I mean, come on. So again, he's double, he's doubling down here on this whole, while we were sinners, God loved his thing, but he, he changes it from sinners to enemies. Yeah, Which, what a, again, what a strong from, word. Yeah, earlier, like the weakness to powerless. Like this is that sort of word transition where we go from like sinner to enemy. Enemy is much clearer about the relationship, you know, the um, the enmity, the uh, the overall like context of the situation is immediately clear. When you are someone's enemy, it is mutual, right? (laughs) Yeah. So if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, and I love that word, reconciled, a reconciliation to to take something that is broken and to make it right again. It's just a it's just a beautiful thing to me. And so for God to be willing to take our broken enemy relationship and to make it right again, to fix it by sending his son to die. Much more now that we have been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Yes. I mean, like, I, I don't know, like, what do you add to that? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Hmm. If God has done the dirty work <laughs> of putting up with us and still thought, mm, yep, I made him, I love him, I'm going to save him anyways even though they don't deserve it, even though we have been enemies and in order to do it, I'm going to kill my son so that my wrath will be satisfied. And because of that, everything will be made right. So now that everything's right, they'll be saved and they can spend eternity with me. Like dude knows how to twist a plot. Am I right? (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And there's just that. I, it's, I think it's hard for us to accept that it's hard for us to, you know, it's hard for us to completely uh, embrace that. Um, Second Corinthians five 17 is the verse that we always we, we put out there, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And to be honest with you, even as I'm reading this, my mind is a little bit like, oh my, this is my mind's blown. But 
All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, which again, I can't completely even go into that right now, but the ministry of reconciliation. Wow. What is that? Uh, That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And... Um, one of the things that I, I personally don't think I'd, I, I'm not good with evangelism. I'm not good with this. We have the best news in the world. And you would think I would just be absolutely excited to share that with people. And yet it is one of the hardest things, uh, for me to do. And, you know, in second Corinthians, uh, Paul is telling us that we've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation and, Boy, those conversations have been few and far between for me. This is, this in essence is easy to do, (laughs) to sit behind a microphone and, and talk about these things. It's a little bit tougher to do, um, in the context of everyday conversations with my friends, Christians, non-Christians. Um, so. Yeah. And think, think how much your day-to-day interactions with people would change if your driving motivation was reconciliation. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not talking from a place with someone who does that. I'm just <laughs> talking from a place with someone who thinks about, man, if my, if my motivation for the day was reconciliation with the people in my world? Like how much differently am I going to approach someone who's angry or someone who's grieving or someone who goes, Hey, how are you? Maybe I might give them a real answer. Or maybe if I ask that question, I might, you know, push for a real answer. Like, so I guess one of the reasons reconciliation has always been an important thing to me, like the concept, the, the, the idea, the, the driving force behind it is the church that, that I was uh, a part of in high school and college, their mission statement is our mission is to reconcile all people to God and one another through Jesus Christ, which like, that's the church, right? Yeah. That, that is, that is the mission of the church. And so the idea of reconciling myself to God or, or rather God bringing the reconciliation down through Jesus so that we can have a right relationship and then me taking that relationship and what, what that forgiveness and that grace and that mercy, and then turning that to the people in my life. Mm. Is that not exactly what God has <laughs> called us to do? Uh, yeah, I would say so. But how often do I enter into uh relationships, conversations, scenarios where I'm thinking, how can I get the most out of this? How can I look good (laughs) out of this? You know, how can I avoid anything that's going to, you know, ruin my day? Um, and it's just, it's 100% selfish in how I approach those scenarios. And you know, for someone who enjoys the idea of reconciliation a lot, I sure don't do a whole lot of 
things that bring reconciliation to other people. No, I don't. And that's no bueno. I just, Hmm. I like these conversations because <laughs> it's really easy to pretend that no one listens to this. And so I can just get all this off my chest. And then I realize, <laughs> Oh no, there are people that listen to this and now they know oh, I'm yeah. a horrible person. You're a sinner. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll just tell you this. I it's, I, the, and I've said this before, but truly the older I get, I think back on some things that I do and I'm just like, Oh my God. Gosh, what that was just the worst motivation. That was the worst, you know. Um, and I know I'm forgiven. Um, but just you know, forty-eight year old me looking or forty-seven. I'm not quite forty-eight yet. Forty-seven year old me looking back on things that I did, you know, thirty years ago, twenty years ago, and what my motivation was for that, and. Um, do pray for forgiveness sometimes just say, God, you know, I know it's been 20 years. I know it's been 30 years, but I'm just realizing that that was, did not, uh, was not very Christ-like in that. And I get that I can't always be Christ-like, but you're bringing it to my mind and there's this conviction that it was not right. And so I'm asking for forgiveness. So and 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 thinking about how I would have responded to you at that time, I would have oh completely tried to justify with you my actions and my motivations and my heart and all those things. So, all right, last verse. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So yeah, all of this stuff and the response is just rejoicing. Makes sense to me. I was going to say, I, 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 if I can uh, take liberty with our discussion of, I think that's a little bit where you both, we're, we're both at right now as an element of truly a place of, wow, I, I should, I have nothing but to be grateful for this. I have nothing but to be, uh, I, and even as I read this, there, there, there's potential to be kind of condemned and beat yourself up, up over it. Oh, for but, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But tonight, truly in our conversation as we're sitting here, I think there's an element of just, I am humbled by what he has done for me. And there is an element of rejoicing within me that this is true. And this is the God that I serve and the faith that I have and my hope. And um, I'm grateful for that. Absolutely. Grateful for that. Absolutely. Well, hopefully those that are listening can, can have that that response to just rejoicing in God's goodness and his, his grace. And, you know, the fact that we are reconciled to God and, and you know, that we are called to the ministry of reconciliation and man, that's something to think about. What, what, what is that? What does it look like? Uh, what relationships in your life need reconciling? And that might be because you're the one that screwed it up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, I just, yeah, man, it's, it's deep. That well, that well goes way down there. Well, I, I think that's it, man. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're there. I do. I think we're there. Tonight was a doozy. Yeah. When I, when I listen back to this, when I edit the show, (laughs) going to be like, listen to, listen to, listen to 
you know, past Cam and Dave. <laughs> they were onto something. <laughs> pay attention. Pay attention. Don't forget it and walk yeah. away. Like, it's been a day, you don't, idiot. How did you already forget this? Yeah, don't look in the mirror and walk away and forget. Oh, yes. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, Dave. It was a pleasure as always, my friend. Absolutely. Good to see you. Thank you for your your words and your wisdom. Um, show notes, ladies and gentlemen, can be found at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash slash. I almost said masterclass slash. That's, that's <laughs> not right. Supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash one, two, three. And we'll have links to uh, all sorts of good stuff. We'll have, we'll have the Romans passage in both ESV and, and NIV. So you can compare them as you listen um, as well as the other references in this podcast, including Todd Blackledge. He'll be in the show notes. <laughs> and um, so are links to Dave's Twitter and my Twitter. Not so you can follow us. We're not looking like that. We just want to give you guys a place to, um, you know, fire off an idea or a question or um, just say, hey. And then also a link to our email if you want to send something in that, you know, takes more than whatever the current Twitter character limit is. I can't keep up. I think it's 280 now, but whatever. Who cares? Twitter's dumb um and then also a link to our patreon page if you want to check out what supporting this podcast um outside of your subscription could look like so any closing thoughts dave now that i've gotten the business done no i think we're good i think we're good all right well that was a bit disappointing (laughs) (laughs) just kidding i'm just screwing with you all right man it was been good oh uh we'll be back uh i think in two weeks with our next episode so peace See ya. Ooh, also, P.S., there might be something different about next episode. (gasps) So if you want to know what that difference might be, uh, pay attention to the Super Megacorp Twitter account because we'll we'll announce it. Dave and I will announce it on both of ours, too. So, yeah, just just stay tuned because we might be trying something new and exciting next episode. Awesome. Dun, dun, dun. All right, bye. Bye.